ഹമദുറീമ respected elders mothers and sisters listening at home inshallah taala just to continue from where we had left off in the last session i had explained how difficult it was for the muslims to overpower the persian army the persian army came up with a complete new strategy of fighting the muslims and that was to make an entire shield of huge elephants and the main section of the army was behind the elephants so it was extremely difficult for the muslims to break through to penetrate and go deep into the persian army there was like a a wall of elephants in front of the muslims this was something very strange for the companions for the tabi'in fighting in that manner was very very difficult for them and that is why heavy losses were taken by the muslims in fact sayyidina abu ubaid as-sakafi appointed amir by sayyidina umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu ta'ala an was made shaheed and then even the brother was made shaheed in fact seven members of his family all became shaheed and very quickly to recap brothers might remember that iraq that was part of the persian empire at that time iraq is a city full of rivers and you often see the united not the united nations perhaps just the americans bombing all the bridges in iraq and so they are it's a city of rivers and it was even difficult for the muslims so you had a very thin narrow bridge that the muslims had to cross through and abu ubaid decided to go through and seven members of his family were all made shaheed and then finally when hazrat al musanna as-sakafi had taken charge analyzing the situation properly looking at the huge army of the persian empire all in front in fact there were only elephants in front uh, how many more were behind the elephants only allah knows so he decided that the best thing would be to go back to madinatul munawwara to regroup 
and perhaps to come up with a new strategy of fighting these Persians how do we combat the Persians they can fight with the Romans they have fought with the Syrians uh, when we talked about the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an, but the Persians were very different people physically also very very strong and even in their return a lot of the Muslims fell down in the river because the bridge was not very secure made out of ropes and last session I had mentioned that one of the companions cut the ropes of the bridge many of the companions fell into the river and were drowned all in all approximately 4,000 Muslim Mujahideen were made shaheed but even in the state of fighting subhanallah imagine the strength of the Muslims to take out 6,000 Persians 6,000 Persians with elephants in front but still they managed to fight 6,000 out and this is from Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya highly reputable book of history and this information Alhamdulillah Ulamai Kiram Ajmain often use the source of Bidaya wa Nihaya and so 6,000 were taken out it is said that the first man to get back to Madinatul Munawwara to inform Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an was a man whose name was Abdullah bin Zaid bin Asim al-Mazani Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was sitting on the mimbah at that time when this one man came he was the first man to return from uh, that fight in which Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi was made shaheed when he came Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab looked at him and immediately recognized him Hazrat Umar was very very anxious when it came to military campaigns expeditions to find out what they had achieved was victory for the Muslims what is happening so very quickly even whilst delivering the khutbah he said ma wara'aka ya Abdullah bin Zaid he saw Abdullah bin Zaid coming so he stopped and he said what has happened what information do you bring me or Abdullah bin Zaid quickly tell me subhanallah look at the character of the companions he first diagnosed the situation uh, this was said to him publicly now to answer back whilst all the Muslims are sitting in front of Hazrat Amirul Mu'mineen that would only mean that the Muslims would become very dejected and so immediately responding to Amirul Mu'mineen he said Atakal khabarul yakin not to worry Amirul Mu'mineen I come, come to you with information that is the truth yakin kesar that is the truth and he came and he climbed up the member where Hazrat Umar was sitting and whispered in his ears ثُمَّ سَعِيدَ إِلَيْهِ الْمِنْبَرِ فَأَخْبَرَهُ الْخَبْرَ سِرًّا and he whispered in the ears and he said to Amirul Mu'mineen that this is what has happened Subhanallah now one very important discipline we need to learn from this conduct of Abdullah bin Zaid the method of delivery a lot of people make this mistake we don't know when to say what and we need to understand that to utter the words at the right time has the maximum impact maximum impact a lot of the times we will speak out something but perhaps that was not the right time for you to speak out 
and everything goes wrong for you. So at the right time when you speak, you make it or you break it. Subhanallah. If it is the wrong time, everything is broken. Uh, you get angry and the shaitan uh, is there. Uh, what he does is that he blows into you. Wasavis. Uh, and he whispers into you and then all of a sudden you're angry. And the wife might say something. And you might want to say something. And it just continues. And then a time comes that the husband will utter words that are completely wrong. Not at the right time. And he will regret but it will be too late. And so many examples that come to mind. Uh, many, many examples. So we have to make sure that whatever you say is at the right time. And understanding the time of delivery, Allahu Akbar Kabira, makes that man a great man. A man of great character. And Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were the students of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is why they were incredible individuals, Sahaba or even Tabi'een. They just knew the right time to speak. Subhanallah. We find when we uh, look into the Quran, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala explains to Musa Alayhi Salam and Harun Alayhi Salam uh, a mission that is given to them. Allah says, Izhab ila Fir'aun. Musa, go to Fir'aun. Ila Fir'aun, go to him. Allah speaks of the methodology of how you speak in front of a tyrant leader who is Fir'aun. But Allah is explaining to them, how are you going to speak? How are you going to communicate with Fir'aun? So Allah is saying, Fakula, look, both of you. La, Fakula means Musa alayhi salam and Harun alayhi salam. When you speak to Fir'aun, he's got a lot of arrogance. So when you speak to him, speak to him in a soft tone. So that he understands. If he is angry, you become calm and composed. Make sure that you know what you are talking about. Make sure you are not angry. So When you speak to him, speak to him in a soft tone. So the method of delivery, of uttering the words, that is very, very important. And it is an art that we need to take in, my respected brothers. Mm -hmm. And we need to practice this. And we learn by our mistakes. We learn by our mistakes. Subhanallah. At the right time to speak, will have the maximum impact. But if you say something wrong at the wrong time, then it can be disastrous. Subhanallah al-Azim. When you look at the life of Anbiya alayhimu salatu was salam, this uh, oratory skills was something that was inborn in Anbiya alayhimu salatu was salam. Look at Musa alayhi salam, Harun alayhi salam, Sulaiman alayhi salam, Dawood alayhi salam, great prophets, Isa alayhi salatu was salam. And who can ever be compared when it comes to the power of speech and communication? With Hazrat Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allahu Akbar One ayat Kareemah that comes to mind Allah even disciplines the ummah Of how to communicate with your parents Allah says وَلَا تَكُلَّهُمَا أُفٍ You are not even to say off to your parents Don't even blurt out taunting remarks Why should I go? Matthew Jau No Or even you know what we do? This is uff. So you're not even to say uff. Wala takul lahuma uff. 
and you never ever shout at them. And Allah says, وَكُلَّهُمَا قَوْلًا kareema." And when you speak to them, speak to them with a lot of respect. With a lot of respect. Kaulan karima, an honorable conversation. Speak to them with dignity. Speak to them with honor. So when we look at the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains to us how we are to utter and take out words from the mouth. This is uh, very, very important. The person who knows how to speak, mashaAllah, you will note that this person will have a lot of respect. He will demand respect from others. So whenever you are with him, you will want to respect him. Why? Because he knows how to speak. Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when you look at his seerah, it is said that 99.9% of any tribe that would come to him, any tribe that would come to him from the outskirts of Arabia, they would leave in the state of Iman and Islam. That is how Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would speak to them. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's words would penetrate the heart. And so they would come as kuffar and leave as sahabai kiram ajma'in. Just one example, my respected brothers. Imagine the whole of Madinatul Munawwara, the Ansari companions, all of them Majority of them embraced Islam even before Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam migrated to Medina to Munawwara. Before he even got to Medina, the platform was set for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this was due to individual meetings with Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the time of Hajj. The Madanese people would come meet Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When they would speak with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the words that would flow out from his mouth, they would say, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Subhanallah. So as Ummati and followers of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, a very important lesson to be learned from Abdullah bin Zaid. Aminul Mu'mineen is asking him, what information are you giving me? And he says, I give you information, Aminul Mu'mineen. And he whispered into the ears of Umar ibn al-Khattab, making sure that the timing is right. Subhanallah al-Azim. Allah paak, mujhe aapko bhi tawfiq de, ki hum apne akhlaq ko durus banaye. Subhanallah, when Hazrat Umar Farooq radiyallahu ta'ala an was given the news, he was extremely saddened, disheartened. And he said, if only Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi would have taken time and had not rushed into the matter, Hazrat Umar says, perhaps the best thing for Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi would have been to return back to Medina to Munawwara. And he should have told me how many Persians they were, and he should have told me what to do, and I would have supported him. But khair, this is something that was destined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of the companions that were shaheed are shaheed, and they are rewarded. But subhanallah, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala, does he ever give up? He never gives up. Immediately he sets up another attack to launch an attack uh, at the Persian front. And now this time again the Imarat leadership is given to the same companion. Hazrat Haris al-Musanna radiallahu ta'ala an, the one who was given leadership when he came back when all of the seven members of the family of Abu Ubaid were made shaheed. Hazrat Al-Musanna was given the leadership 
And in the Persian camp, you have a man whose name was Mahran. Kanam Taiska? Mahran. And the second battle takes place in a place called Al-Buwayb. Al-Buwayb. Which is close to... And so the battle that is about to take place is in a place called Al-Buwayb. This place called Al-Buwayb. Present day Kufa. That is where this area is. Al-Buwayb. And again a very similar situation that occurs. But this time Hazrat Al-Musanna was well prepared. And so again there was a bridge. And the Persians wanted the Muslims to cross the bridge. And this is how they were fighting. They would deceive the Muslims. They would want to corner the Muslims. And so as the Muslims, the front section of the army would come into their zone, they would make the, the position for the Muslims very, very tight. And this time Hazrat al-Musanna said no. He sent a delegation and said to the Persians that if you want to fight, you come to our front. This time you come to our front. Subhanallah al And the Persians obviously were people who were not to be intimidated. They were full of uh, kibr, arrogant people. And they said, we take up your challenge, whatever you say, O oh, Musanna. Now remember this fight was, this battle was to take place in the month of Ramadan. So a lot of the Muslims were fasting. But history shows that any major event in the month of Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, usually victory is given to the Muslims. And therefore it was something of great blessing for the Muslims also. Hazrat al-Musanna, not only was he a great military soldier, a leader, but also a learned scholar. So he got all of the Muslim mujahideen together and he said to them, look, I am your Amir and Sharia has given you concession. That if you are in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are human beings, I don't want any one of you to fast. And so take this concession, make iftari, and do qaza later on of your roza, of your siyab. And everyone agreed. Although it was the month of Ramadan, but the mujahideen, majority of them at that time, it is said that they did not fast. Now again, we need to understand that Islam is about balance. If rukhsa is given to you, why don't you take that rukhsa? A lot of the people say, Alhamdulillah, I was traveling, but I didn't want to pray two rakats, I prayed four rakats. <laughs> I prayed four rakats. Waji, wa, mashallah, Sufi, the two have I? But when it comes to money, giving money, you only want to give two and a half percent. Why don't you give fifty percent like the companions did? Uh, but in Salah, they say, no, ji, ye baat. Subhanallah, you see, this pick and choose policy is very, very dangerous. Become proper Muslims. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you rukhsa. And according to Imam Abu Hanifa, it is wajib for you to read two. So if you read four, it is wrong. You are sinful. So you have to read how much? Only two. I'm talking about the Hanafi point of view. And so he said that, look, there is rukhsa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made deen very simple for you. And remember, not all of them were sahabai kiram ajma'een. You had general people fighting also for the Muslims. You had the tabi'een and other people also now uh, standing with the Muslims to support the Muslims. And the battle starts, Mahran is the man who is the leader. Now the problem that the Persians were facing this time, how are you going to get hundreds of elephants straight through the bridge 
and to form a wall. It's going to be very, very difficult. So in their zone, they had a wall. Hazrat al-Musanna knows what to do now. This is like, you come. What is it? You come. And they started coming. And when Hazrat al-Musanna pointed to them, you come, they got very, very angry. And so these Persian soldiers came with their weapons and they crossed the bridge. As they were coming, MashaAllah, the Muslims were taking them out. Muslims were fighting. So the elephants were now at the back. So now it's pound for pound fighting. It is pound for pound fighting. Uh, A lightweight fighting a lightweight and a heavyweight fighting a a heavyweight. Proper fight. MashaAllah, fist to fist. And for the Muslims and for Sahaba Kiram Ajma'een, MashaAllah, the barakat of Iman and physically very, very strong people, they were prepared to fight. And it is said they fought and fought. What usually happens is that when you take out the head of the, the leader for the disbelievers, generally you will find that the entire army becomes paralyzed. When you take out the head, everything is weakened. It's like the pyramid, right on the top. And when you take the top out, everything else just falls down. So what happens here is that you have Maharan. Two people were sent to go and assassinate him. One was Jarir bin Abdullah al-Bajalli and was a, was a slave of Banu Taglab. According to the narration, Jarir bin Abdullah al-Bajalli got very very close to Mahran. And he just went through the, the Persian army and he got to Mahran. When he saw Mahran, he says that he only had a split second to see him. And he striked at the right time. And when he striked at Mahran, he took off his head. Allahu Akbar. And he got hold of the head and he showed it to the people. That this is your leader, Mahran. And there was panic in the camp of the Persians. Subhanallah al-Azim. It is said that they, they took his head and they were throwing his head. That this is your leader and this is what we will do. 4,000 Muslims were made shaheed, 6,000 in the first battle, but this time it was a fair fight in the zone. The army had come along to fight the Muslims. It is said that by the end of the day, my respected brothers, when night fell, Alama Ibn Kathir has mentioned, 100,000 Persian soldiers were dead. How many? 100? Thousand soldiers were dead. And who was leading from the front? Hadrat al-Musanna, al-Haris, who was given that leadership. And again, look at Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. At the right time, making the right decision. He did not take away authority from him. Because he had seen how the Persians fight. He was there. And so he opted for the best person to become Amir. And he said, you are in that position. Subhanallah, how were the women in this battle, my respected brothers? Let me just give you one example. When this battle was over, when victory was given to the Muslims, a lot of spoils of war, booty was with the Muslims. MashaAllah, a lot was taken. And so Hazrat al-Musanna said that the women, our Muslim women are at the back. There was a special camp for them. And he says, go and pass the information to the women that Alhamdulillah, victory is for the Muslims, the month of Ramadan. And he says, go and also give food to the women. So Sayyidina al-Musanna, Haris al-Musanna, saw the first man in front of him. 
And this man was a Christian Arab. He was not a Muslim. But he was a Christian Arab fighting for the Muslims. MashaAllah. A lot of people knew that Islam is Islam deals with justice only. So they sided with the Muslims. And so it was this Christian Arab. So Hazrat al-Musanna said to him, go and give food to the women. And so this man is carrying food, a lot of food, and he has a few people carrying the food there. And as he gets close to the women, the camp where the women were, the Muslim women saw, and these were predominantly Ansari women, women of Madinatul Munawwara. Now, one must know that the women of Madinatul Munawwara were very different from the women of Makkah Mukarramah. The Ansari women were very, very tough. Very, very tough. And that is why Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala would say that when the Muhajir companions came to Madinatul Munawwara, they said that in Makkah we would dominate and were a dominant force over our women. But in Madinatul Munawwara it was the opposite. <laughs> So these women of Madinatul Munawwara were very, very strong character, mashallah, human beings. But subhanallah, abidat or nekti. And so these women came out with uh, poles and knives and swords. And they were about to take out this Christian Arab. They didn't realize that this man is from the same Muslim camp. And they couldn't recognize him. So from a distance, he is saying... I am with Hazrat al-Musanna, I am with Hazrat al-Musanna, I am with him, I am with him, I am with, with the Muslims, I am with the Muslims. And only then the Muslim women put the swords down. And when he looked at the Muslim women, this Christian Arab started to say, and he started mumbling, he said that any community that has women as strong as these women, for sure, they will take over the entire world. They will take over the entire world. So mashallah, there is nothing wrong with women being strong, but don't be too strong with your husbands. <laughs> don't be too strong with your husbands. That is the problem. Muslims, they roll up their sleeves to fight Muslims. Muslims roll up their sleeves to fight Muslims. But when you find a few Jamaicans on the road, they look at them and just turn away. Huh? But when it comes to Muslims, Muslims will be the first one to fight Muslims. This attitude is wrong. This attitude, unfortunately, and this is rampant with Muslim men and Muslim women. With outside, everybody is fine. But when you go home, this man is a zombie. Nobody wants to talk to him. Nobody likes him. So we need to understand we have to have good character. And the women were very, very strong. Subhanallah, how was all these military campaign financed. Usually the money would come from Madinatul Munawwara. Now to finance all these military expeditions, we need to understand that they didn't go just there for a few weeks. They would stay there for months and even years, safeguarding the areas that have been taken by the Muslims, making sure that there is enough security. Otherwise it would be taken by the enemy. So the borders were secured. Subhanallah, Hazrat al-Musanna, he was a, a great leader. He came up with this idea that he wanted to finance the, 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 the Muslim military campaigns with Persian wealth. With Persian wealth. He is fighting the Persians with Persian wealth. And how did he do that? It is said that in Persia you would have exhibitions. So you had exhibition centers. And a lot of these rich Persians would come 
and they would sell their merchandise. And it was known that in that exhibition, there would be a lot of gold coins, a lot of gold and silver. So Hazrat al-Musanna would always go with a group of young companions. He himself would be part of it on fast Arab horses. And the horses were so fast and swift that the raids that were done was done within a few minutes. In fact, a lot of the traders would not even know what was happening. That is how the raid would take place. Hazrat al-Musanna would lead himself and he would instruct the companions, I want you only to take gold and silver, nothing else. Nothing else. And so the target was gold and silver. So immediately a group of Mujahideen horsemen would go, and, and these were Arab horses very, very fast. Today what is known as perhaps ambushes, swift ambushes, or even guerrilla warfare, a few of them go and launch an attack. And they take everything, gold and silver, and they would come back, and with the same wealth of the Persians, they would finance the Muslim military campaigns. And this went on for months, until the Persians realized that there is someone that is giving information to the Muslims of, of our whereabouts and of all the exhibitions. So this was the manner of how, mashallah, Hazrat al-Musanna would look after the, all the military campaigns in that part of the region. Going back to this person whose name is Rustum and Fayruz, these two individuals, both of them were military leaders. Remember, for the Persian Empire, for the Persian army. Now, who were Rustum and Fayruz? Who was the person in charge of the Persian Empire? The Persian Empire had kings, and it was all about having royal blood. Having royal blood. And if you were from the Sasani family, you qualify for a very high position. And you might even become a king one day. So when you had the Persian king selected by the Sasani family, this king was a ruthless king. He knew that there are many male members still alive around me. And if they are still around, if they are still alive around me, there is a possibility in the future they are potential rivals and they might even want to take my kingship away. So what he did is that he executed all of the male members of the Sasani family. He was a king. From children to elders, every single one of them was executed and killed. In one night, everything. All of the family was wiped out. But this was a foolish mistake from this Persian king. He didn't live for long. In a few months he himself died. When he died, there was no one to take the place. Who had the royal blood? Is this you've got the royal blood? Of course you have the royal blood. You're a Muslim. We all have royal blood, mashallah. Huh? So what happens? Now, there were no men, only women. Who takes position? A lady whose name is Shireen. What is her name? Shireen. Shireen. I don't know what's happening in Pakistan. I'm sure there are so many men. But yet, Benazir Bhutto, she just says, no, it has to be me and no one else. Why doesn't she just, mashallah, stay in England with full security and save other souls dying? 
बट नो नशा है क्या है नशा इट इज एन एडिक्शन बट खैर अल्लाह आलम बट दे वो मैन इन द केस फॉर द पर्जन नेशन सो द वॉज दिस लेडी हु टुक चार्ज शीरीन वट कैन अ लेडी डू अगेन इन अ फ्यू मंथस ऑल्सो दिस लेडी डाइड एंड सो नाउ दे वॉज नो वन एंड वेन देर इज नो वन it was fairuz and rustum taking advantage of the situation these two become military leaders and so because they were good military leaders they actually took control of the entire persian empire now they were not part of the sasani family or they did not have royal blood but there was no one else and so rustum did not like fairuz and fairuz did not like rustum we have to understand this huh? this is history my respected brothers very important history and how islam mashallah uh, annexes all these great empires to the islamic empire so rustum doesn't like uh, fairuz fairuz doesn't like rustum and they are uh, you know internal fightings and bickerings among themselves and the 100000 persian soldiers that died in this battle was going to be big trouble for rustum and fairuz all of the persian citizens revolted against fairuz and rustum and they came to him and they said to him that if you don't come with a quick solution we will personally execute both of you we will get rid of you and so now was there was panic what do we do rustum and fairuz were won by the people because 100000 soldiers persian soldiers died when the first battle it was in their control victory was with, with persia but in the second battle the muslims won and so rustum and fairuz again two individuals who were very very clever what they did is that they decided that perhaps the best solution would be is to find the one individual who still has that royal blood now there were always rumors that were out that there is one child that was saved and that one child was smuggled out from that room in which everyone was locked up and executed and there was this one lady who managed to push out one child uh, through her uncle and the uncle had taken her out so all of these women uh, were interrogated and tortured by rustum and fairuz and he said tell us where this one child is eventually the women gave information they were scared what would happen to that child but rustum and fairuz wanted to to give leadership to that uh, one individual because otherwise everything would be on on top of them so what had happened is that they found this this child who was a young man and they found him his name was yazdajard what was his name Yazdajard Al-Thalis he was 21 years of age at that time and a very smart very clever uh, leader to be for all of the Persian empire when Yazdajard came to the royal palace when they looked at his features there was no doubt that this man is related to the king and he is part of the Sasani family and everyone was so happy including Fairuz and Rustum because everything was now on the head of this young man who was 21 years of age what had happened is that this one man united all of the persians every single one of them 
And every single one came and enrolled their names uh, to the list to fight the Muslims. Now these people were all fired up, very angry, and they wanted revenge. That now we need to fight the Muslims. And so now you had a complete new set of Persians ready to fight. It was not during the time of Rustum and Fairuz where there was always a split between the two. All of them were now united under one man whose name was Yazdajar al-Thalis. When news was given to us at Umar radiallahu ta'ala that all of the Persians are prepared to come and cross the border and fight the Muslims, Umar radiallahu ta'ala put his head down and he was thinking what to do. For the very first time in the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, a major decision needs to be taken. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an says that I personally will lead this military expedition to fight the Persians. I will be the Amir and I will leave Medina to Munawwara. So who is the Amir now to fight the Persian Empire? Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an. Everyone agreed to this. All of the senior companions, everyone agreed to this. Except for Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf. Abdul Rahman bin Auf, a Sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa He was a very senior Sahabi and he stopped Hazrat Umar. He said, no way am I going to allow you to leave Madinatul Munawwara. And he made sure that he convinced all of the companions that were there. And he said, how is it possible? That we allow Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an to go forward in the battlefield and for him to fight. And he said that if, Allah forbid, if Hazrat Umar was to be made shaheed, then it would be very, very difficult for the Muslims. Then again the Khilafat issue and what would happen, it would be very, very difficult. So Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf said it is not right for Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an to leave Madinatul Munawwara. But he said, there should be someone senior to take your position, to take your place, and he should lead the Muslim army. But the question was, who is in that position to take the place of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala? Abdul Rahman bin Auf managed to convince the companions, Hazrat Umar is not going out. But who will take the place of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala? A few days people were, it went past, some of them were saying, that person, this person, and one Sahabi came, I forget the name, and he said to Umar ibn al-Khattab, Amir al-Mu'mineen, I have found the person that you are looking for. I have found that person. I have found that person, and inshallah we will continue with this in the next session. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills wa'akhiru da'wana. And remember, this battle is the decisive battle. Perhaps there is no other battle in the history of Islam after the period of Khilafat. Perhaps the only battle that holds that, uh, that position is the battle of Yarmouk. The battle of Yarmouk and this battle that will take place now, the battle of Qadisiyah. It would not be right for me to touch on the battle of Qadisiyah right now. There were a lot of other things that needed to be explained and therefore inshallah we use this session as a platform to, to go into that main battle. And so that Umar radiallahu ta'ala an has to select that one Sahabi 
who is to be the leader and the head of the Muslim army and what happens for the very first time Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala even breaks the trend that was set by Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala if Allah wills inshallah we'll cover this in the next session wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen dua kalli Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabiyil umi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna innaka anta tawabur raheem nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'ina wa atana gufranak rabbana wa ilayka al-masir bi rahmatika ya arhamur rahim